Praise God. Man. There is super church. And let me tell you something. I've been doing this for 11 years. I don't think I remembered once. I don't think I remembered once. Somebody else, Dan just came by and said, hey, it's stupid church. Okay. All right, so if you're in super church, run away and escape. Not you, Wiley. That's all right. That's all right. Okay. Praise God. Well, it looks like a lot of discombobulation going on in the back there. That's your goal in life? <laughs> in a holy kind of way. All right, so. All right, listen, you know, God's pointing so many things out to me today. And I, you know, and I even said I had no intention of coming in and, and although it's good to talk about the unity of the body of Christ, but about going in that direction and growing as a body of Christ, being the bride that, want, that God wants us to be. And I'm going to tell you right now, this sermon and the word in the sermon for us, I'll give you more clarification at the end is definitely about putting us all on the same page as the body of Christ. And I find that very interesting because I wasn't looking at it from that way. But now I am. So, here we go. Um, If you remember the last sermon that I preached, I spoke about Paul's letter to the Ephesians and we addressed the issue of some believers were struggling with one foot in Christ and one foot in worldly things and they were making ungodly decisions. Well, We're not over that topic yet. So we're coming at it a different way with different scriptures and a different person writing it, but we're going to see some familiar things. So, but let's begin with revisiting some of the spiritual instruction that Paul was given to them. So Paul writes not only to them, the Ephesians, reminding them of who they are in Christ, but he also writes to the believers in Rome. He writes to encourage them to make right choices and to live godly lives. And it's in these writings that Paul is equipping the saints to do battle. Battle where choice begins. Battle where it comes to making the decisions. And that battle begins in the mind between the natural man and the spirit. These are a couple of verses that we went over. In Ephesians 4.22 it says, Throw off your old evil nature and your former way of life, which is rotten through and through full of lust and deception. Instead, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and your attitudes. To the Romans, he writes in 12.2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what, what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So these verses that we've spoken about before that we're speaking about now, these verses are referring to the how. Referring to the how when it comes to throwing off your former way of life. Referring to the how when it comes to not conforming to the pattern of the world. And the how is this. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, first let me remind you, because I don't want to be confusing here. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we are born again, we become new creations in Christ. We see things differently. We see things through the eyes of Christ. But there is a spiritual renewing of the mind that happens then and it is ongoing. 
And we have to remember that, that it's an ongoing process. A process that we play a role in. And some of us say, well, why do we need that? You know, we're saved, we, have the, we see things through the eyes of Christ. Why do we need it? We need it because the mind is, a critical, is, the, is critical in our Christian walk. We need it because there is a war in our mind between the flesh and the Holy Spirit and the direction he wants us to go and the righteous choices he wants us to make. And in the mind where there's choice and a decision made, it's formed and molded by the way we think. And sometimes a decision that's made leads to action that's not godly and actually sinful. And sometimes the children of God lose and they give in and they make the wrong choice. And frankly, they pay the consequences for it. So the renewing is needed because he strengthens the spiritual again. It strengthens the spiritual against the natural. So if this renewing is needed, it's important to ask ourselves, well, how do we bolster that process? Because we should want to. Or what role do we have to play? And Paul gives us the answer in the verse before those two verses I just said. In verse 4.21 in Ephesians, he says, Since you have heard all about him and have learned the truth that is in Jesus, throw off all your old evil nature and your former way of life. It's learning about Christ. That's our role. That's what we can do to bolster it. It's learning the truth of God's word. It's the power of God's word that renews our mind. In our job, our role, what we are required to do is to use what God has given us. Choose to learn the word. Choose to learn spiritual principles. Choose to learn the promises he has for us. And don't forget this one. Choose the warnings he has for us. I mean, choose to learn the warnings he has for us. Without a renewed mind, we stop growing. Without it, we may return to our old ways. Without it, we certainly are not going to be spiritually discerning. And we may begin to conform to the pattern of the world. This is not what Jesus Christ wants for us. It's not. This is what Paul was writing to the Ephesians and the Romans to prepare them spiritually for the battle, to equip them to make righteous decisions, godly choices, to exhort them. And that's like encouragement 2.0, to exhort them, to encourage them into action, to live godly lives. For the Ephesians, it was to stop returning to their old ways, to stop living ungodly lives. For the Romans, to live godly lives because of everything that Christ had done for them. To live godly lives in the light of the gospel, the power of the gospel. And as we see in a moment, as we get into our new verses, for believers to live godly lives despite the false teaching that they were being attacked with in Asia Minor. Now listen, 
There's a phrase that's going to be repeated a lot today, and that is godly lives. You're going to hear it a lot. And you know why you're going to hear it a lot? Because that is Jesus Christ's desire for us to live lives that are pleasing to him. And it's godly lives. So I'm not going to change it. I'm not going to admit it. I'm just going to keep saying it because it's there a lot. And it's what he wants us to do. So we're talking about also, we talked about the Ephesians, we talked about the Romans, and now the, the believers in Asia Minor are being written to because of false teaching. And it's the Apostle Peter that addresses this issue because he's concerned for, that church, for the churches in Asia Minor. He's troubled because believers are being assaulted. And not necessarily in a physical way, they're being assaulted right here. They're being assaulted by lies. They're being assaulted by false teaching. They're being assaulted by twisted theology. And for Peter, there's some urgency because his time on this earth is coming to an end here. It's while that he's imprisoned in Rome, awaiting imminent death, that he writes a second letter to these believers. The primary goal of this letter is to combat heretical teaching, to prevent damage from false doctrines. But in pursuing this goal, we see that there are other themes in this letter that emerge. Themes that aid believers in this battle in the mind. Themes that help people to live, believers to live godly lives. Lives that followers of Christ should be living. Themes that we see are such as encouraging believers to develop their Christian character. To stand on the promises of God. To be assured of that salvation. To know Jesus better and to know the power that comes from knowing Jesus better. Today as we get into 2 Peter chapter 1, I hope you will clearly see that we're going to see some common denominators. We're going to see some common denominators between Ephesus and Rome and the believers in Asia Minor, which include Ephesus by the way. <clears throat> and for us, when it comes to walking a Christian walk. And in 2 Peter 1.1, Peter starts off like this. Simon Peter is servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have through righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. So who's he addressing? He's addressing Christians. He's addressing those who belong to Christ. And as we move through this verse, we're going to see references to believers experiencing benefits as a result of something. 2 Peter 1.2 says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So there's benefits from something. And that something is knowledge. And this is not just any knowledge. This is knowledge of Christ. We're going to see statements through these verses like, through our knowledge of him, as we come to know Jesus better and better, to add knowledge. It's about knowledge, but it's knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it produces benefits such as grace and peace and promises and godliness and everything we need to live a godly life. Through our knowledge of Christ, we receive blessings, but in these verses, it's important to know that there's two Greek words that are coming into play here. There's two different words for knowledge. Words that play, play a role in us realizing who Jesus Christ is and that we need him. And then us realizing 
who we are in Jesus Christ. The Greek word used here in these verses for knowledge is epignosis. And this is a thorough knowledge that involves an intimate understanding of the subject matter. This is a word that Paul often used to refer to divine truth. It's saving knowledge that comes from hearing the gospel message. This is a moment in someone's life when they realize Jesus Christ is the Son of God. When they realize He is the Messiah. When they realize they are a lost sinner and they need a Savior. This is saving knowledge. It's a supernatural moment that God, that a God-given faith has opened eyes. And everything that was hazy and you couldn't be understood all of a sudden is being understood. And you know what's going on. And you recognize who Jesus is and you need him. This is saving knowledge that all of us who are our believers have in response to the gospel message. And for the recipient of Peter's letter, and for us, it's a reminder of the truth that we should already know, but it's also a reminder of what comes with that truth, what comes with that saving knowledge, what comes with becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. For believers, he's given us grace and he's given us peace. He's given us undeserved favor and complete forgiveness. We have been forgiven forgiven past, present, and future. And he's poured his grace upon us. And it's out of this grace that comes this godly peace. A godly peace that is abundant and sufficient for any trial that we go through. We have his grace, we have his peace, but in addition, Scripture says through our knowledge of him, our salvation, we have received everything we need to live a godly life by his divine power. This is a powerful reminder by Peter to them and to us. Because I believe... That there are many times when we struggle with these promises. These promises that we just get when we become believers of Jesus Christ. That when we're in the family and become children of God. Because sometimes we let our emotions and our feelings get the best of us and dictate how close we feel to God. Or how holy we feel. Or how worthy we feel. Sometimes we see obstacles and based on our emotions, we look at them and we go, oh man, it's no, how can I do, I can't get that done. And you know what? We can on our own, but there's nothing too hard for God. But we forget, he has given us everything we need to live this life and to deal with any problems that arise. When we believe that, when we walk in that, to live this life as a Christian knowing that you have everything that you need to deal with any challenges or any problems of life that arise, you are walking in the power of God. And when you're walking that way in that belief and you're not giving into those things that are beating you up and you're not folding like an accordion when the pressure gets built up. When you're walking that way, there's this expectancy, not just in your mind, but in your heart, of God's answer. Because you know God's going to come through. You know God's in control. And you don't start backing up, you start going forward. 
It's called walking in faith, but it gets bolstered when you believe the promises that are in the word of God of what happens when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. When you receive the Holy Spirit of God. Man, when you're walking that way, you know in your heart of hearts, a heart of hearts that God is in control. Man, I, and I've said this before, but I think that that describes what happens when we first get saved and we're so fired up. When we first get saved and we can't stop sharing Jesus Christ with anyone because we don't care what you say, what you think, how you look at us. We just want to share the truth of the gospel with you. We want you to have a changed life that we have a changed life. We believe all the promises. We can't wait to open the word of God. We can't wait to see what God's going to say to us in our dreams and our visions through his word and in prayer. We are so fired up at the beginning. And then all of a sudden something happens and the world seeps in and doubt seeps in with it. And we start to have struggles and we don't live life like we should. And we start buying into the doubts and we start living in constant doubt. We start second guessing scripture and we start opening a door for the enemy in our life in the walk and in the thought. We're going to take a moment here because I think it's so important to understand what we receive when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. To better understand what it means to have everything that we need. You know, Paul reminded Ephesus, Paul reminded the Romans, Peter reminded Asia Minor believers, he also reminded the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8 it says this, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always have all sufficiency, sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Did I read that right? And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. The word used here for sufficiency means self-sufficiency, meaning having everything that is necessary. It means being independent from any external circumstances or outside or what outside resources could provide. What God has given us spiritually is sufficient to live godly lives meeting any demands of life. That's what it means. It's a simple statement, but it's a powerful statement because people really have trouble accepting this. They really have trouble walking in this. And listen, to to check where you're at with this, to see what you really think, ask yourself a question. Are you living your lives believing that there's enough grace and power to deal with life's difficulties, hardships, and trials? Or do you immediately go to outside sources, rely on worldly things when facing a problem? If you do so, you need to ask yourself why. And I'm going to give you an answer to that why in a little bit. But it's something you should question about yourself. So, okay, so we're talking about saving knowledge. We come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We accept him as Lord and Savior. We are given all that we are need by God, but we have to walk in it. So we start to move forward 
and we begin to learn who we are in Christ. And how do we learn who we are in Christ? Scripture tells us that we have God's grace, peace, power, and then it also instructs us to pursue knowledge. Knowledge about Jesus and other virtues in building Christian character. So how we learn about Christ is his word. 2 Peter 1.5, For this very reason makes every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, self-control perseverance, and perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. How do we pursue that knowledge? We pursue it by getting into God's word. We pursue these virtues, which some of them flow from knowledge. This is how we learn who we are in Christ, how we grow in the Lord, how we have a foundation of faith, and we add knowledge to it and other virtues, some of which flow from that knowledge, which I already said. See, the Greek word here for knowledge that she uses, gnosis, which is different from the first because this refers to divine truth that is properly understood and applied. It is related to one's mind being enlightened about the truth by the truth of Scripture. It's connected to diligent study, meditation, pursuing the mind of Christ. So what are these verses stressing? They're emphasizing learning about Jesus Christ, learning about the truth of God's word. Sound familiar? Because this is really speaking about the renewing of your mind by the power of God's word. Whether it's learning about Christ as said, as was said to the Ephesians or pursuing knowledge about Christ to believers in Asia Minor, it's the same thing. And frankly, let's go back for a second because this could be the answer to that why. Why you're not walking as if you have everything through Jesus Christ to live your life, a godly life that you need. This could be the why. Because we stopped growing. We stopped learning about Jesus Christ. We stopped going for... All right, let me just say something here. So many times in my life, people have shared with me that Christ has done this unbelievable thing with them. And then, you know, two or three months later, they're in a funk. They've seen the power of God's hand. They've seen a miracle in their life. They've seen something incredible. And they're all fired up. And then four months later, it's like they're not even, like Christ is not even in their life. Or they're not moving forward anymore. Why is that? Because we're not growing. We're not pressing into the Lord. We're not learning Jesus Christ. We're doing what we want. We're not getting into the word and submitting to it. We're not applying principles because we don't know them. We're missing out. The Ephesians, Paul reminded them of who they were in Christ and how they could live godly lives. To the Romans, Paul reminded them of what the Lord had accomplished for them and how they could live godly lives. For Peter, to the believers in Asia Minor, he talked to them about growing in Christian character and adding knowledge and learning about Christ so that they could live godly lives.
And the way for all of them to do that, the way for us to do that, to live godly lives, is spiritually be, to be spiritually renewed in our thoughts and attitude. To be fueled by God's word. And that's learning Christ and growing in the knowledge of the Lord. Which brings us to a point. If you're going to learn Christ, if you're going to learn the word, if you're going to grow in knowledge of the Lord and then you refuse to do it, well, that's a whole other sermon. This would help them, knowledge of the Lord, to grow, to live a godly life, but also to protect their mind from false teaching. To protect their mind from the world going, yeah, come on, just compromise, it's okay. To protect their mind from tolerance. To protect their mind from things that are ungodly. Because their spiritual discernment is going to be up here when you're in the word of God. It's clear that we see a pattern as God spoke to the Ephesians, the Romans, believers of Asia Minor, and now to us in New Hope Chapel. God's word is vital to our lives as followers of Christ. There is no way around it. It's, it is. It's vital. In verse 9, Peter tells us what happens when someone stops growing in Christian character, in knowledge, and in virtue. And most commentators believe that this verse is talking about Christians that he was just talking about. In 2 Peter 1.9 it says, But if anyone does not have them, he's talking about the virtues and adding knowledge and all that, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Is that how we act sometimes? We've forgotten that we have been cleansed from our past sins. We have forgotten that we have the power of God. We've forgotten that God supplies everything. We forget All of a sudden, you can't see the clear picture. There's a forgetfulness when it comes to concerning who we are in Christ, concerning the things that we've just spoken about, concerning our spiritual duties that are required, concerning the need for the things of the kingdom of God because they're not as important for us anymore. When it happens when we're there, it results in not living the life that God has for us or maybe falling back into... Areas where we have old sin and living as a victim and not in victory. And on the other side of the coin in verse 8, Peter says what happens to those who are doing the right thing, who are pursuing these virtues, who are pursuing knowledge and learning Christ. And it says, that, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, increasing measure you're growing, they will keep you from being ineffective And unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For those people doing the right thing, they're going to be effectively used by God. They will be the empty vessel that he desires. They will produce much in the way of fruit. Will be productive for the kingdom. They were going to live lives pleasing to God. In his power, trusting in the Lord. Two sides of the same coin. Key today is which one are you? In New Hope Chapel, in this local assembly, I believe today that the Lord is both warning us and encouraging us. For some, this is an encouragement to continue to grow in the word, to learn Christ, to have a deeper relationship with him, to be spiritually prepared against the enemy and false teaching, to have our minds renewed through God's word so that we may make righteous decisions, choose godly paths, 
live lives pleasing to God, to move forward as the body of Christ, furthering the kingdom, using our gifts, honoring God in this local assembly. So for some, I think this is an encouragement to keep going in the same path, but let me say this, stand firm lest you fall. This is not a cockiness. This is not a prideful thing. You're doing the right. Listen, you're supposed to be doing the right thing. So amen for that. But also, I think through today and the things that have happened in first and second service, I think that those people who are doing the right thing, keep your ears open and your eyes open because God wants you to come aside of somebody else who's doing the wrong thing or struggling to encourage them and to help them get back where they need to be. For others, there is an admonishment going on, a warning. For those who are stuck at the point of accepting Christ in their lives and have gone no further, or for those who have been Christians a million years and always somewhere in the middle of that, you stop growing in the Lord, there's a warning to be careful. Without learning Christ, without learning the word, without renewal through God's power, the flesh may be winning the battle in your mind. And the decisions that you're making may not be righteous. And the choices that you've made may be detrimental to you and or your family. Without that spiritual renewal of thoughts and attitudes, there's not going to be spiritual discernment. And you could easily be led astray by false teaching. You could easily be led astray by worldly principles that will lead you into compromise. Easily led over the line and then wonder how you got there. For those who are doing that, there's a word called stagnant. And if you're stagnant and not growing, you could be struggling with sins from your past. You could be falling into repeating bad habits. Could be doubting your relationship with Christ, certainly doubting the power that's at your disposal. And when something goes wrong and you need something to lean on, Jesus Christ is usually not number one. Because there is this doubting going on about supernatural power. And sometimes we run to the world first. Listen, I have a word for you if that's you. And it's this. Have you considered that your actions are causing at least some of your problems? You may be missing out on what God wants to do in your life. And he's certainly calling you back to the word. He's certainly calling you back to trust in him. Certainly calling you back to get to that point where there's a renewal of your mind going on. No, if you're that person I just described, I'm not concerned about discouraging you today. You know why? 
Because you're probably already discouraged. You're probably already discouraged on some level. But what I want to do is I want to encourage you today to be honest with yourself. I want to encourage you to really take a look at yourself and see when's the last time you sat down and you read the word of God at length. When's the last time you actually studied it? When's the last time you discussed it with your spouse or even read it with your spouse and prayed about it with your spouse? When is the last time you gave it up and you went to the altar of God and you said, Lord, I'm not doing it. Help me. When is the last time you really sought God's face? Ask yourself, am I really growing in the Lord? God's desire is for us to be spiritually prepared, to be the empty vessels for his use. Today's a great time to break the pattern, to get off the hamster wheel. To surrender yourself to the Lord and to pray, recommit. Recommit to Bible study, recommit to growing in him again, recommit to listening to the Holy Spirit, recommit to walking in the power, recommit to standing on the supernatural promises in the word of God instead of running to the world first. And it really all begins with this and it's be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen, we're not doing any extra music. We're not playing any extra songs today. I'm just going to encourage you to take a moment to press into God and to see where you're at. Because God has so much for us. So much for us. And he is preparing this church for something. He's preparing us individually, but as the body of Christ to move in unity as the army, which that means forward in this world. We don't want to miss out. Please bow your heads with me. Lord, I just pray, Lord, as you speak to us, that we would clearly hear you. Lord, I pray that as you point people out to us, that we would be obedient, Lord, and go. That we would help them to keep their arms up, Lord. That we would encourage them to get back on the path with you, Lord. That we would encourage them to get into the word, Lord. Lord, help us to continue to grow and to cherish everything you have given us, Lord. Everything that you have supplied for us, Lord. Lord, help us to stand at the Red Sea and expect you to part the waters. Lord, you are an amazing God. We just thank you that you love us and thank you that you have given us everything that we need. So we praise your name, Jesus. We just love you. Amen. Take a moment. Don't run out of here. If you have to leave, be quiet. If you have to leave, be quiet. One more time. If you have to leave, be quiet, please, because there's people pressing into God. Amen.